That's a lot of pressure. Lambda Chi, amazing, funny. I don't know. I don't know. We might have had the wrong speaker come up. We can get someone else out here. I'm not sure. Uh, but guys, it's great to be with you tonight. I'm excited for our third Sumo Night of the Year. Sorry, I'm going to get this. There we go. Uh, excited for our third Sumo Night of the Year. Like she said, I'm on staff with Sumo. And so maybe you've heard that phrase before. Maybe you've heard someone say, hey, I'm on staff with Stumo, and you're like, what do, you, what, what do they mean by that? Just real quick, if someone's on staff with Stumo, Stumo, that just means that they were sitting in your shoes at one point or in your seat, and so they, they kind of know where you've been. Everyone who's on staff here was a student at the University of Arkansas, and really we're here to help you guys grow in your faith and your leadership and your understanding of who God is, and so uh, like she said, I'm Adam, that's me, that's my wife Katie, and so... It makes sense. Katie should get bigger applause than I do. Uh, she's great. Uh, she was a tri-delt here at the U of A. The tri-delts are always at Sumo Night. I've been here for seven years now, and there's always tri-delts. Like, I've never been to a Sumo Night where there's not lots of tri-delts. It's amazing. Uh, but Katie and I have been married for about a year and a half now, and it's been amazing. Like, I, I love Katie. She's awesome. And one of the things we learned about each other early on in our marriage is that we both are, like, pretty big Disney fans. Like, I, I grew up watching The Lion King, right? And then going to Disney World and, like, experiencing The Lion King. Or, like, watching, uh, what's it, uh, the Dumbo ride at Disney World. Like, who, who's been to Disney World before? Okay, wow, that's American, man. Like, I love it. We got some Disneyers in here. Like, I, so I grew up going to Disney World, watching the classic Disney movies, and Katie did too. So, like, like we quickly came to find out, like, hey, we're, we're Disney fans, and right after we got married, we got to go to Disney World, and it was like, like, I remember, like, we, we woke up, and, I like, she, like, looked over to me, and I was, like, playing the, um, ah, Zakinya, and we're like, look, let's go, we went to Disney, so we're big Disney movie fans, uh, but I'm curious, between Lion King, Mulan, Beauty and the Beast, who in here is a Lion King person? Good, you're right. Uh, who's a Mulan person? Someone said buns. No, Mulan is very good. Uh, the new Mulan pretty much ruined it. Like, pretty, uh, the new Mulan's awful. Uh, okay, who's Beauty and the Beast? Beauty and the Beast is great. It's classic. It's love. Right, like, I, I grew up just a classic, solid Disney fan. Right, I, like, a lot of us did. But the thing about Disney is, like, in my opinion, as time has gone on, it has progressively, like, gotten worse and worse and worse. Like, the new Marvel stuff, yeah, it's boo, it's not great. They took Star Wars and kind of ruined it. In my, like, so as Disney goes on, it just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. That's just my opinion, maybe a hot take. But the good news about this for me is, like, I'm just a fan. Like, when it comes to my relationship with Disney... Like, I'm just a fan. And so if everything that comes out is really bad, does it really affect me? No, not really. Like, they're going to come out with the Lord of the Rings. Like, they're going to come out with all that. There's so many other things I can be a fan of. And if the stuff that comes out with Disney is really good, does it really affect me? Like, not, not really. Like, like, it really doesn't have a big impact on my life. I'm just a fan. And really what a fan is, it's kind of like a distant admirer. Like, like from a distance, I can watch and it's good. And I like it. But it doesn't really have 
a big impact on my life. I don't really have any stake in the game. I know this time of the year, a lot of people are fans of this guy. Personally, I'm a huge fan of the Pit Boss. I know, like, you can show your love. Who's a fan of Pitman? We're fired up about the Cincinnati win. The last time I think we had a win against a ranked opponent outside of our conference to start the season was the TCU game, 2016. It was amazing. TCU on the TCU away on the road. We won. It was awesome. Right, but like I'm a big fan of Sam Pittman. Like I really am. I was in the stadium for every home game for two two and ten seasons in a row. We didn't win an SEC game. We lost to San Jose State. We lost to Colorado State. I was at every single game at home that year. Like I've been, I've been a fan through the bad, and I've been a fan through the good. I love the Razorbacks. I'm excited to see what happens this week. But the reality is. If the Razorbacks are really good, does my life really change? Not really. <laughs> like some of, some of my favorite moments in college are those two and ten games sitting in Razorback stadiums like with my best friends just almost like laughing at how bad it was. Like it was so funny. Like I remember we were like so pumped when we lost to LSU by only two scores. <laughs> like, we're almost laughing at how bad we were. We take pictures, like, with the scoreboard. Like, like this is hilarious. But those are some of, like, my favorite moments. Like, we were awful. It doesn't really affect me if the Razorbacks win big or if we lose big. I'm a fan. I don't know. We have people who are fans of Stranger Things, right? We got a hard yes up front. I got a lot of nods, right? The, the season four, I didn't watch it. I heard season four got crazy, like, it got, like, almost kind of dark or some crazy stuff happened. I don't know. I didn't see it. But, like, hey, if, if season four is really good, how much does your life change? It doesn't. Right? Your life doesn't change your fan. I know a lot of people are pumped up for this. Woo! Okay, I learned this last week how much people care about Taylor Swift. Like, I, I was talking to uh, just grown women who are outside of college who are like, I really care about Taylor Swift still. And I'm like, really? Like, people really care, and specifically girls really care about Taylor Swift? I get it, but hey, if, what's it called? If Midnight's is great, does your life really change? Yeah, yeah, I knew someone was going to say yes, and it had to be Tiffany. Hey, it really doesn't, because you're a fan, right? And this is the idea of a fan, but what about this guy? Right, what about Jesus? On the, yeah, there we go. <laughs> Man, if we, should, if we get applause for anything tonight, it should be that. Um, what about Jesus? Are you just a fan? I think in our day and age, in the kind of the culture we're living in, the amount of things that are put in front of us, the amount of marketing, the amount of advertising, the amount of shows, the amount of money spent on those things, the amount of attention that we're giving to so many things. It's easy to put Jesus in the category of, I'm a fan. I go. Like, I, I went to Stumo night. It's good. <laughs> right? or, or I did this thing, or I did that. I'm a fan of Jesus. And I think when Jesus, actually, I know when Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, and he came and revealed who he was, and he said a lot about himself, and he said a lot about us, and he said a lot about people and the world and spirituality and, and how to live that out. His intention was not for fans. 
And he actually saw the issue in his day and age 2,000 years ago when he addressed it. And he foresaw the issue in our day and age. And is in addressing it for the generations to come all the way up to us today, 2,000 years later. And so, hey, kind of this question we're talking about tonight is this. Are you a fan? Are you a follower of Jesus? And, and I want to put a quick distinction on what I mean by the word follower. So, like, when I, when I say the word fan, I mean, like, kind of that distant admirer, right? It goes bad. It goes good. Your life doesn't really change. Like, you kind of can just stay in place and move on, and you go watch the different thing or do the different thing. But a follower, I don't mean, like, I clicked a button, and now I see their post, right? Uh, like, literally, the word follower means to go with. Like, when that person goes, I go with them, or I go alongside. And so when it comes to Jesus, are you a distant admirer, right? You're kind of just in the crowd, waving towards Jesus. That's good. Like, I like it. Or are you going with? Are you following? Are you moving alongside Jesus? And so again, Jesus foresaw this issue 2,000 years ago when crowds of people started to gather around him, kind of like crowds of people are gathering here today. He saw the issue and he addressed it quickly. And so, hey, before we dive into the scripture, I'm going to give us just a quick background. Like, what is going on here? What's the context on Jesus' life? Who's here? And so, hey, we know Jesus did, like, a lot of crazy things, right? Like, if you, if you grew up around church, you've heard that, like, hey, Jesus... He raised someone from the dead. He, he walked on water. He healed people. He, he did all this crazy stuff. And so in the lens of him doing things that really drew big crowds, this is the very beginning. All he had done at this point was turn water into wine. Right? Like, in my mind, that's amazing. But comparatively to what Jesus ended up doing, it is like he, we're, at the, we're at the tip of the iceberg. And so before Jesus kind of launches his whole big ministry and all these amazing things he does, he gives a sermon. Right, he preaches for a sec. He lets the people know what he's about. And it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Right? And a lot of you have probably heard that phrase, especially if you grew up in church. Before Jesus kind of launches into all the, all the spiritual things that are true about him, he gives the Sermon on the Mount. He wants the people to know what he is about. And it talks about forgiveness. It talks about things you do in secret versus in public. It talks about those who are blessed. It talks about those who are going to be spiritual, those who are going to be forgiven. Like all, all these things. He, he really is just kind of showing his cards and say, this is what the kingdom of God is like. And it's really interesting. I challenge you to go read it. It's Matthew 5 through 7 is the Sermon on the Mount. And it's, there's a lot in there about who Jesus is. But where we're hopping in the scriptures tonight is there's big crowds of people around Jesus. He has just preached the Sermon on the Mount, and we're going to look at the last nine verses. So, like, this is his conclusion. Like, Jesus has said lots of things. He's telling the people about who he is, what's going on, and these are the last nine verses that he's leaving, with, leaving them with before he goes and starts doing tons of miracles and revealing who he is. And so, let, let's hop in, picture Jesus Big crowds of people, kind of like maybe what we have going right here. Like I'm right here, and there's a big crowd of people in front of me, kind of like Jesus. He's standing here, and there's a big crowd of people. They're interested in what he has to say, what he is doing. And so here we go. This is his conclusion to what he is all about, his big sermon. He says, hey, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them, or and does not do them, will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains came, and the floods rose, and the wind blows against the house. And it falls. And great was the fall of it. And when Jesus finished these sayings, the crowds were astonished at his teaching, for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And when Jesus preaches this sermon, people are punched in the gut. They're astonished. Who is this guy? I mean, like, he just said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. They're standing in front of God himself preaching to them. And what has Jesus just done? He set up, he set up what the future is going to be like. And one day, there's going to be people. In fact, all people are going to come stand before me. And not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter into my kingdom. All right, like that's a, that's a, that's a big finish. Like, like he is, he is saying like he's exposing the idea of, hey, some of you are going to follow me. Right? Some of you are going to follow me. Some of you are going to believe in me. Some of you are just going to be fans and kind of wave and kind of put me on the buffet of all the things you can be interested in in life. And one day you're going to come to me and he's going to say, I never knew you. And then that's really the first thing that sticks out this passage when I read it is, hey, I never knew you. That's a pretty bold claim to say, a bold way to say, like, you're not in. And then I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me. And so the first kind of characteristic, the lens we can put on here when it comes to a fan or a follower, and hey, you guys have a worksheet here. The way for this to be most, most helpful for you is to go ahead and fill in the blanks on your worksheet as we go. So you might be sitting on it, like, lift up, take it out, bit your pen, and then let's write a little bit. Let's try to learn. And so a follower knows him, right? A follower knows Jesus. A fan knows about Jesus. A follower knows Jesus. A fan knows about Jesus. So get back with me a second ago to when I was talking about Sam Pittman. Again, like I'm a big Sam Pittman fan. I love the Razorbacks. But if the Razorback season goes really bad, who do I talk to about it? Right, like who am I having conversations with about that? Or like probably some of you guys, or, or like my friends. Like I'm not going to Sam Pittman and be like, man, what happened? I'm just not doing it. Like I don't actually know him. Like I've seen him. Who, who's seen that guy walk on campus? Right, that guy's like, he's a power walker. He's always walking up and down stadium. I've seen him walk multiple times. I've seen him on TV. I've seen him on Sunday or Saturday afternoons, but I've never met him. And a good lens for you to put on to see if you're actually a fan or a follower is who do you relate most commonly with? When the Razorbacks are really bad, I know I'm a fan because I go talk to other fans. If I was actually a follower, like if I had skin in the game, if I was a player or a coach or an agent, right, and things went really bad, I would go talk to Sam Pittman. <laughs> right, and so you might know you're a fan of Jesus, 
that when life gets hard, when things go bad, or when things go good, do you just go talk about it with other fans? That guy shouldn't have started. We shouldn't have called that play. We should have gone for two, right? Whatever it is. Or do you actually go to the person, Jesus himself, and get on your knees and open up your word and say, God, what is going on? I want to know you. In fact, I need to know you. This is maybe the first indicator of, hey, where are you at here? Like, who, who do you talk to? Who do you most commonly relate to in this scenario? Are you a fan? Like, I'm kind of at a distance, waving, talking to other fans? Or do I talk to the person himself? Do I talk to Jesus? Do I have a relationship with Jesus? And you might be sitting there, you might be like asking yourself the question right now, like, well, how do you talk to this guy? Like, I've never sat down and had a meal with Jesus. Has anyone in here done that? Bold hand? No, I was kidding. No, no, none of us have done that, right? We know that Jesus died and raised and ascended into heaven 2,000 years ago, right? But it's just like a relationship you would have with a person. You can also cultivate a relationship with Jesus. So, hey, you and I, right here, I don't know you. But if I wanted to get to know you, what would we do? We'd go grab lunch. That's, exactly, that's what I was going to say. We'd go grab lunch. Like I'd get off. I'd get your phone number. I'd be like, bro, let's go grab lunch. Right? And at lunch, I'd be like, dude, what do you like? And you'd be like, what am I like? And if things went well, maybe we'd get lunch again. Right? Or maybe we'd go to a Razorback game. But the point is, hey, we would spend time with each other. Like you would ask me some questions. And I would ask you some questions. The same goes in our relationship with God. If you want to get to know God, spend time with him. Right? Set aside time in the day or in the morning and say, hey, God, it's me. And I've been thinking, and I want to get to know you. And talk to him and tell him all the things you're thinking. And then in turn, there's kind of this cool cheat code of like, God has given us a book that says, a lot. And, and I would say it says everything we would need to know about him. And, and can God reveal himself to you in a voice or in an extraordinary way? Absolutely. He can. I'm sure of it. But I'm going to say he's most likely going to speak to you through his word, through, through this book, right? this old torn up book I have. But he's going to speak to you through his word and you can learn about him. So, hey, the first one is, hey, I'm a follower of God if I really know him. And, and, I'm, and I'm a fan if I kind of know about him. It makes me think of my own life. I came up to the University of Arkansas, sat in the exact same chair you're sitting in right now, knowing some stuff about God, but not actually knowing God. And it wasn't until I spent time with them. I remember vivid moments sitting in the small conference room in the Lambda Chi house, wanting to know God and opening up my Bible. I had this pink KJV Bible that my grandpa had given me. I know, it's fun. That's all I had. Like, this is the word of God for me in that moment. And I remember sitting down, not knowing anything about it. I had heard about it my whole life. But for the first time on my own, like locking the door because I didn't want anyone to come in and see me doing this. And then opening up the words of God, talking to God, and entering into a relationship with him as I got to know him. It was amazing. He taught me things about me. He taught me things about him. He taught me things about everyone else around me. Hey, and so, hey, if you're going to be a follower of God, you got to know who he is. 
That's the first lens to put on if you're a fan or a follower. Let's dive back into the scriptures for a second. The next kind of red flag, the next thing that really sticks out is, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. So not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. And everyone, if we scroll down for a little bit, everyone who hears these words of mine, they hear the words and then they do them. Everyone who hears these words of mine will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the first one, to be a follower, you got to know him. The second one, to be a follower of Jesus, a follower of Jesus does his will. Right? That book that you're going to open up to get to know God, it gives you a way to live your life. I'm so glad it does so I don't have to run around like a chicken with my head cut off trying to figure out what I'm doing here. But like I can actually know why I'm alive and I can actually have a will to follow. Right? And I can go and turn to follow it. Or like think about like a sports team. All right, let's just assume you have a good coach. The person who takes the will of the coach and does it is the most useful for the team. Like, of course. Like the person who executes the play is the most useful for the team. The fan, they just consider the way of God. Again, it's a removed admirer waving from a distance, considering the will of God. I think a helpful way to think about this is, well, take Katie and I's relationship. And so, I don't know, maybe two and a half years ago, something like that, Katie and I had the conversation while we were dating. It's a fun conversation to have where I was like, hey, Katie, I think I want to marry you. Like, I, I, remember, I remember we were sitting. I, in fact, the, the words I said was, I would like to propose. And her response was, I would like that. <laughs> right? I was like, great. It was pretty simple. We didn't have a lot to say, right? But like the, pretty much the conversation we had there was, hey, I'm considering marrying you. Like, I'm considering that. And she's like, hey, I'm considering saying yes, right? And it's like, okay, great. Um, and then I went on my computer, spent more money than I ever had, bought a ring, and then like two weeks later, gave her the ring and asked her to marry me. And then we've been married ever since. So that's great. Uh, but hey, what, let, let's, let's, say this, let, let's say the conversation went this way. Right, we have that conversation. Hey, Katie, I'm considering marrying you. Right, and then two weeks go by, and we sit down again, and I'm like, hey, Katie, I'm still considering marrying you. She's like, good, like, I'm still considering saying yes. And then a month goes by, and we sit down again. I'm like, hey, I'm still considering it. Six months go by. I'm still considering it. A year goes by. Two years goes by, five years go by, ten years go by. Hey, I'm still considering it. Ten years later. She'd be like, no, you're not. <laughs> like, 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 get in or get out, buddy. Like, this, is, this has got to go. But, hey, I, th- like, I know that's funny to think about, but, like, hey, how many people have heard or been exposed to God's will for their life and they're considering it? I'm still considering it. Like, I know, I know, I know, I know. Like, he died on the cross for me. Like, literally, a person was alive and pinned to a cross for the sake of sin. Like, for me, and you've heard that, you're like, ah, I'm considering following. Like, that doesn't, are you really? How long have you been hearing that message? I would say, hey, maybe it's time. 
to get in or get out. I know where we're at. We're at the University of Arkansas. My guess is a lot of you grew up in church hearing this. And if not, that's okay too. Now is your moment to start considering and maybe even following and doing as well. And so at the University of Arkansas over the last seven years, guys, I have seen literally, like literally thousands, thousands of people consider the will of God. Like we're, we're, I've seen some people really good at it. Like they can give me every answer in the book. Like this is what I should do. This is what I'm thinking about. This is what like, like almost like kind of list off like in like a weird amount of tact, like what they should do and never do it. It's kind of scary. <laughs> but although I've seen thousands, I have also seen a few, like a lot less, but a few Really brave people take Jesus at his word and do the will of God. And there's nothing more inspiring, more encouraging, more invigorating, more motivating than seeing a person believe the words of Jesus and live them out in their own life. Like nothing gives me goosebumps like seeing someone take God at his word and go ahead and just do it. Oh, Oh, that's great. Right? And I've, I've seen some people in the room do this. Right? It makes me think of Eli Reese giving away his time, giving away three to four nights a week to helping other guys grow in their faith because he cares about them more than he cares about themselves. It makes me think of Hudgens Jeter. Right? As, as he got to know God, he realized, hey, God was calling him to give part of what he had been given back. And so Hudgens starts giving a percent of what his parents give him and of his whole income while he's in college, giving it to God, committing it to the Lord. It makes me think of Saban more, right? Despite being misunderstood, despite having pushback from other friends and even older people, still laying her life down, still wanting to see other people know and love God. It makes me think of Lauren Kirk, right? Was knowing God throughout college, trying to live out his will, and when it came to making a decision to go to nursing school or or to go be a nurse or to go on sumo staff, she said, I'm going to help people grow in their faith. It makes me think of Ben Clark. Once he knew God, he decided that he needed to get out of a relationship in order to do his will. It makes me think of Marla Williams, right? This last summer, really hard situation to leave her family, but deciding to go spend nine weeks growing in her faith anyway. Nothing gets me fired up like people living out the will of God. It is an amazing thing to see. And honestly, it sticks out like a sore thumb on our campus because so many people are sitting around considering. Right? No, one, no one wants to commit to someone who's considering. Katie would not have committed to me in marriage if I would have considered marrying her for years and years and years on end. And so a follower of Christ does his will. That's the first thing. Or that's the second thing here. The first one is you have to know God. A follower of Christ knows God. The second one is a follower of Christ does his will. It makes sense. This is Grayson and Megan Warren. Has anyone met them? A few people? A couple people? Yeah. So Grayson was an SAE here at the University of Arkansas. He's jacked. He's awesome. He's super cool. He'll make you think your whole life over in like two seconds because he'll ask you a question and you're like, I don't know, man. Uh, but yeah, Grayson's amazing. And Megan was a Kyle here at the University of Arkansas. And they both came to know the Lord 
uh, while they were here at the University of Arkansas. And as they came to be in a relationship with each other and they grew in their relationship with God, it was so, like, I was a freshman when they were seniors, and it was amazing to see two people say, hey, the will of God for my life is to deny comfort, to deny money, to deny the own plan I had for my life, and move to Southeast Asia to be missionaries, where everything is more comfortable or less comfortable. It's more dangerous. It's more challenging. There's no family there. Hey, but they followed God's will. Talk about being pumped up for what God is doing. People who actually really believe in God and are following him. So that's just a quick example. I wanted to highlight them. Uh, But the last thing that sticks out, the third thing we can pull when it comes to this lens of a fan or a follower is when it comes to the rock and the sand. So the rain falls down, the floods rise up, the winds blow, and they beat on the house, right? The house that is built on the rock. And what happens? It doesn't fall because it had been founded on the rock. It had been founded on Jesus. Jesus is speaking about himself here. He's kind of a wizard. He can kind of do that stuff. Uh, I can't really say that about me. Uh, But then it keeps on going. It says, and everyone who hears these words of mine, it does not do them. It's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains fall and the floods came and the winds blow and it beats against the house and it fell. And great was the fall of it. But the last one is a follower of Jesus builds their life on him, on the rock. And a fan builds their life around him. Right? There, there's, a, there's a difference between being on something, like, like firmly on something, versus kind of being around it. There, there's a big difference there. I think Tim Keller kind of points this idea of building our life on something out better than I could ever put it. He says, hey, if your meaning in life is grounded in anything in this world, your meaning in life will not be able to handle suffering any more than a spider web can handle a brick falling through it. Like, hey, if your meaning in life, if what you're aiming for, if what your pursuit is in life is something that is tangible or material, pretty much something other than Jesus Christ himself, it will not be able to handle the hardships, the, the, the tough times you're going to have, the doubts, the insecurities that you're going to have in life, any more than a spider web can handle a brick just falling right through it. And this one for me, it's close to home because if I'm honest, I've tried to do it. And it has always, always left me feeling like a brick went straight through a spider web. <laughs> Makes me think of high school. Right in high school, I decided, like so many people do, I decided, hey, I'm going to just give everything I have to trying to be the best I can be at sports. Right? And so I wanted to run really fast on the track. That's kind of what I did. I, I played basketball for a while, but, you know, if you take a look, that's not really going to work out. Uh, so I, I, get, I gave everything I had to being as fast as I could. And I, I had a lot of people tell me that I was really good and, and I won some meets and I was really excited. And so I, I kind of doubled down. I was like, hey, I'm giving my life to this thing, right? Being good at track, 
right? I want to run in college. I, I want to make the Olympics. I'm going to break four minutes in the mile. Like, this is going to be my thing. I will never, never forget the last track meet I ever ran. I didn't run as fast as I thought I was going to run. I didn't make it to districts, or I didn't make it to regionals. I was in the district meet. I didn't make it, and I walked off the track thinking, that is the last time I'm ever going to run in a track race. And feeling so empty and almost like numb to what like the last three years of my life had been because I had given everything to this thing, and in a moment, it was over. It was gone. It was like sand that was on the shore and then washed away. Oh, like, <laughs> it's an awful feeling, giving your life to something like that. I remember my freshman year, like I've mentioned a couple of times, sitting in your shoes, my freshman year at the University of Arkansas, caring so much, like so much about what people thought about me. Like wanting my every move to line up perfectly so that people would care about me or notice me or think I was cool. Or if you've heard me share my testimony, you've maybe heard, the, heard me use the phrase, stack up cool points. Like, like my life objective socially was to stack up as many cool points as I could. And so I, I would go out, maybe I would go to sumo or a party or a rush thing or this or that, and I would go out. And, and if I came back to my dorm room that night feeling like people liked me or thought I was cool or girls noticed me or got numbers or Snapchats or whatever it was, I was pumped up. I was like, life is good, finally. But if I came back after whatever I was doing that night, I felt like people didn't notice me. People didn't like my picture. People thought the other guy was funnier than me. And I would just turn on Netflix and just, just watch for hours because I was so sad and disappointed, I didn't want to have to think about it. And I'd just fall asleep to whatever show it was and just wake up the next day and try harder. Just try harder. Just get more followers. Get people to like you. Oh, left me so empty over and over and over and over again. I try to give my life to sexual gratification. Right, right, to trying to have intimacy with girls. Right, trying to find a, a purpose or a hope or, or feeling good in a moment, feeling like I had control or power because someone would like me or, or give some part of them to me and I would give it back. And I remember being a freshman at the University of Arkansas doing things that I said I was never going to do and waking up specifically one morning feeling so sad and so gross and so empty that I, I couldn't even like look in the mirror. I was like sand on the beach that was there for a moment and gone the next with the tide. I've given my life to the sand. I have. And the reason I share that with you tonight is because you don't have to. Right, like Jesus is standing, looking at this crowd of people saying, hey, you can hear these words and do them and build your life on me and know me, and it's better. It's so much better. 
And really what he's testing in these people, really what he's trying to see, really the diagnosis that he's giving these people in this moment is do they really believe in him? Like, do these people really believe in who I am? Do they really believe that I am the Son of God, that I am the Messiah, and that when I go die on the cross for them, it means what I said it means. And when I raise to life, they also know and can believe that they will raise to life with me. The claims of Jesus are like no other person that has ever walked or lived. No other person can look you in the eyes and say, hey, you can have eternal life in me. No other person can tell you that. And so really, a follower of Christ believes in Jesus. And a believer in Jesus, what do they do? They know him, they do his will, and they build his life on him. And so, hey, what what you have in front of you on this worksheet, I'm going to challenge you tonight as you leave to go ahead and just look at each blank. And if you're really honest with yourself, like which one of those makes most sense of who you are? Right? Like which one makes most sense of who you are? When Jesus looked in the eyes of Lazarus' sister after, she had, after Lazarus had died. So this moment where her brother has died and she is mourning. This is what he says. I am the resurrection and the life. I'm not just your solution to life right now. I'm your solution for all eternity. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And every person who lives and believes in me shall never die. I love it. Do you believe this?